1: Right block, Valanchunis. He's at 15 feet, though. He jabs. He drives. Running hook. Go oh, Bear blocked it. Two time right there. Here come the Jazz the other way. They're on a 15-2 run. Ingles underhand scoop to Conley. Back out to Joe. Fires the three. Pow! Up top to Donovan. Good look. Gives it back to Joe. Corner three. Happy Valley. Got it! Beautiful play out of the timeout by Quinn Snyder. And the Jazz have their largest fourth quarter lead of Eight.
2: Jazz are back in action. That was them beating Memphis. Can they go back-to-back? Back? They're playing the Spurs today on AT&T Sportsnet, 11 a.m. Our coverage begins at 10 a.m. with the pregame show. But the Jazz aren't going to have most of the big names. Mike Conley out with right knee soreness. Royce O'Neill has right calf soreness. Donovan Mitchell has a left perineal strain. And they couldn't come up with anything Rudy Gobert, so he's just out for rest. Joe Ingles is available. Right foot soreness. PK. The Jazz clearly want no part of... They've been playing these guys about 35 minutes a night. No part of a day, I guess. A morning, in this case. But 35 minutes a game going back-to-back. They want no part of that. They're they're just going to play the bench in this one and see if they can beat the Nuggets. Maybe get a little momentum by beating a quality team. A Nuggets win would be the best win of this uh, eight-game stretch for them.
3: Yeah, I'm taking the morning off. I got nothing for you.
2: <laughs> so you're more Rudy Gobert than you are uh, Mike Conley. Your knee's okay. Your vocal cords are fine. It's just rest.
3: I have general soreness. It was the uh, old Mike Marshall. General soreness. Uh, I, I remember. The excuse they used for resting him. But the <laughs> Dodgers... The outfielder, not the pitcher. So yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna cruise this morning. So you carry it. I'll, I'll chip in here and there, but <laughs> not much. Don't expect a whole lot from me today.
2: General soreness is an all timer. He's out. General soreness. Uh, Joe Engels yeah. likes to play, and he's got uh, the you know the long uh, play game. I have to look it up what the street, what the actual number is, the Iron Man streak, and all that. Twenty minutes over or under for Joe PK. I'd say over. Yeah? Not by much, then. Low 20s. Just a, just a guess. Yeah. All right, well, it's what's left of the Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs at 11 a.m. The Jazz clearly loading up for the Nuggets game tomorrow. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA. Game slows the pace down as he brings it up. The attack steps back. Three-pointers! got it! Ties his own franchise record with 11 made threes. Dame's got 43 and the Blazers lead by 4. Dame again one-on-one with Dozier. Crosses over. Dribbles, drives up and under off the glass and banks it in for 2. 45 for Damian Lillard. It's a 10-point game.
2: Damian Lillard goes for 45 points. He also had 12 assists. And Portland wins again. They beat the Nuggets 125 to 115. They are now 3-1 3-1 and in the bubble, and PK, they are firmly in the ninth spot, and they have got a decent shot at getting to the eighth spot, which means they just have to win one out of two from Memphis if they were to get there. They're half game behind the Grizzlies now. Game and a half up on the Suns and Spurs. The Blazers, think the Lakers want any part of them in the opening round? Uh, who are you going to play? I
3: mean, you got to play somebody. So you get an easy first round maybe, and you get the second round. I mean, do if you don't want any part of them then you're not going to win the title. If okay, that's your then, line of thinking and your mindset, then you got no chance.
2: Then I will rephrase with the Lakers having lost to the Rockets 113 to 97. You've already said uh, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, if they came in, you know, roughly semi-even in terms of championship potential. Look at it, the Lakers who are missing guys, right? Avery Bradley didn't go, Rondo's been out although they're getting him back here. But uh You've said, eh, that's not an even race between those three for the title. The Lakers have flaws. Do you think the Lakers have enough flaws that the Blazers could knock them out in the first round? Yes. There we go. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, James Harden, 39-12. 39 points, 12 assists as the Rockets beat the Lakers, 113-97. to 97. Portland getting in. Beating Memphis and then knocking off the Lakers, that'd shake things up. That'd make Damian Lillard look like he's really calling his shot, too, right? Because he didn't want to go at first unless they had a legit shot at the playoffs, so they create this format, which the Blazers may not need. They might just play themselves right past the Grizzlies into the eighth spot. Grizzlies are taking on water here with a five-game losing streak, so... The Pelicans, the dream was to get the Pelicans in there, and that's clearly uh, not happening. They got beat again. Sacramento beat them 140-125. to And the Clippers win, too. They beat the Dallas Mavericks 126-111. to Zubak, who had been out and was one of the five guys missing, came up big, 21 points, 15 rebounds for the Clippers in their win over the Mavericks. And the Clippers now a game and a half clear of the Denver Nuggets. It looks like the Clippers should finish second thought they would. Uh, Nuggets closed there for a minute, but the Clippers have a little bit of a buffer here again. Uh, Clippers coach Doc Rivers said he's still waiting to get his team at full strength. Hopes to see it before the playoffs. Uh, Asked when, he said, that's a good question. He he was asked on uh, where they are on a scale of 1 to 10. He says, I don't know, 6 or 7. We still have Trez out. Montrez Harrell. Uh, We still have several guys that have minute restrictions to put a major problem on us tonight, especially with guards. We still have Pat out, referencing Patrick Beverly. Do you think they'll be that good when they've had their whole team together? They haven't actually had their whole team together. Will it be too many guys and not enough minutes? Screw up roles and all that stuff?
3: No, I don't think so, because I think guys are playing minutes now that aren't expected to play bigger minutes. So then they'll go back to their regular
0: rotations that they've had. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
4: Those are to be determined for all of us, you know, as we move forward and the type of buy-in and, you know, really what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. I mean, guys are working really hard to get to know one another. I think you just have to do what you can with what we're all dealing with, try to make the most of it and try to understand that we're, you know, the clock's ticking on all of us. And, you know, we've got a lot of work to do in a very short amount of time.
2: That's Tom Brady. Setting some expectations for the Bucs, mentioning father time there. How high expectations do you have for the Bucs, PK? Playoff team? Super Bowl team? Super Bowl championship?
3: Oh, I would say five Super Bowls in a row.
2: Come on.
3: Well, obviously it's the ship. Why would you bring these guys in? doesn't make any sense. Of course they're looking to win the ship.
2: You're very cutting edge, very cool. It's very 21st century. Arizona Cardinals linebacker Chandler Jones says he doesn't believe breaking Michael Strand's single-season record for sacks will be tough to do. He had 19 sacks last year. The record's 22 and a half. I don't think that's hard to get, and I feel like if there was a year to do it, this could be it, honestly, for me. That's a personal goal of mine, but we have more help on our team. We have a better team. Cardinals need to be better obviously that division's been good sending the the Rams and the Niners to the Super Bowl the last couple years Seattle looks pretty good as well so they better have a better team because that division looks really good Yeah, I pray they do it's more your sisters isn't it or both of them or just one of them season ticket holder well
3: I got all my sisters in me
2: no my one sister I don't think my
3: other sister gives a rip (laughs)
2: The NFL is considering utilizing virtual fan technology this season as they await word on if fans will be allowed to attend games in person in any markets around the country. Green Bay has announced there'll be no fans at Lambeau Field for the first month. The league did utilize the digital fan technology for April's draft. So, all right, you like the digital fan technology better, or you like the cardboard cutouts better?
3: Uh, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm interested in the game. The other stuff I don't really care about.
2: NFL's opt-out deadline came and went. 66 players opting out of the upcoming season. Almost half of them were either offensive or defensive linemen. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. If I was a head coach and I was in a Power Five conference, whether it's the Big Ten or the ACC, I would go to my administration and I would sit down with our players and I would say, we can't play football. And that's exactly what I did. I was on the field as all this was going on in July. I called my athletic director and told him, I said, there's no way we can do this with all the things that we have to go through. That's UConn coach Randy Edsel. They are the first of 130 teams. We'll see if there's a second or if there's going to be more than that. But they're the first one to say they're not playing in 2020. PK, I just don't think many coaches are wired like that. He can say coaches should do that, but don't you think that just goes against how coaches are wired?
3: Oh, I think he's trying to have the party line here. So he's trying to protect his job, protect his money, If you're wondering where motivations are coming from, follow the money trail, and that will lead you to the answer.
2: As our show ended yesterday, BYU announced that they're going to open their season against Navy. They'll be playing in Annapolis Monday, September 7th, primetime on Labor Day on ESPN. Just the third time that Navy and BYU have met but it's a pretty good opener, and for a, a program that craves exposure, how can you do better than primetime, the Monday Night Football slot, the week before the NFL starts? Oh, yeah,
3: this is a home run. Uh, what
2: did I say yesterday? A slam dunk home run? Yes. This would be a, this would be a grand yeah. slam dunk.
3: No doubt about it, man. It absolutely is. It's great. Obviously, any, any chance, and particularly for the kids who get an opportunity to go back there, if it comes to pass, you know, Notre Dame was supposed to do it after they are supposed to play in Ireland, and circumstances didn't allow it. But to be back there, I think it's a great educational opportunity also, too. You can go back because it's a weekend, a couple of days early. You know, I, I uh, have been to the Air Force Academy many times, and I, and I think it's something different. You feel like you're in something, you're in an environment that isn't the normal college campus. And for me, anyway... And I've taken my family there. You, you, I think you get a, you just feel different. You get a good ounce of respect, maybe that you didn't have. Maybe you already had it, I don't know. But for me, you know, you really felt like it was something beyond a football game. And it's a great football game, game matchup. Uh, you know, Navy has to replace Perry, who was just sensational last year, was their all, everything. Uh, but they did go 11-2 and and it wasn't just a one something. So uh, I'm real excited about this opportunity to watch this ballgame.
2: Waiting to hear officially what the Big Sky is going to do. Uh, there were reports from uh, guys who cover the FCS nationally that they were going to cancel this season. But the presidents met at 4 o'clock and the Sac State president came out and talked to the, uh, the student paper there. And it looks like they might be moving the league season to the... Spring, but maybe some schools are going to be playing non-conference games. Maybe they got some money games. They're going to try and salvage. SUU at uh, Utah State is one. So, expecting an official announcement out of the Big Sky. This is uh, the NCAA said if fifty percent of the teams don't play the regular season, then they'll cancel the playoffs. And the Big Sky moves that number really close to fifty percent. PK the, uh, the the playoff definitely uh, hanging by a thread. Well, I hope they play. Football players from the Mountain West Conference on Thursday, the latest group to unite and publicize a list of conditions to ensure their health and safety amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, The stuff I saw written about this, it looks more like they're going after health stuff than they are some of the financial stuff that we heard out of the Pac-12. Less money, more health and safety.
3: Well, I don't have any problem with kids or people trying to ensure their safety I just don't know that they have, speaking of these young players, any leverage to demand an extra year be returned to them if they don't play. And they they sort of have, have a voice now. There's no question they have a voice. How much power goes with that voice remains to be seen because every four or five years you're going to have a whole new batch of kids there and life will go on with or without you. I certainly support the safety issues, but I wonder if the university is willing to go ahead and give them back years of eligibility because there's always a new class coming in. And so then how many kids are you going to have on scholarship there at that point? You know, because you'll have the incoming freshmen, they'll be on scholarship and all that stuff. So I'm not really sure how that will work, but I get the point on the safety,
0: that's for sure.
2: DJ and PK. PK.
0: Hashtag Major League Baseball.
1: A drive to right field down the line, and that is a fair ball. Here comes a winning run. LoCastro scores. Right behind him is Ahmed, and the Diamondbacks have walked off the Astros. They come from behind and win it 5-4 on the base hit off the bat of Cole Calhoun.
2: Diamondbacks get the win. It was a bad start, but they're uh, they've won a couple now, trending back towards 500. It feels weird, PK. You know the numbers. It's so early in the season, but then you look and you think, well, you really can't dig that big a hole because you just don't have that long to come back. Everything is compressed. Everything's magnified. And for the Diamondbacks, who are still in last place, but they're five and eight, three games under 500, and with eight teams going to the playoffs, if you get back to 500, you got a chance to get in.
3: Hey, you just never know. You have to compete. and that Cole Calhoun played for the Salt Lake Bees uh, back when. Because he's an Angels guy. It's an Interesting story. He's a uh, kid who came out of the Phoenix area in the Valley. And uh, ASU, we didn't, they didn't think he was good enough. So he went up to Yavapai, which is up in Prescott, a junior college. And uh, he showed them. And then he got a deal to go to ASU. And then played with the Angels. And now he's playing with the hometown team here. So one of these guys who... Didn't have all these flood of offers coming out of high school. In fact, the Devils didn't even want them coming out of high school. So good on him for proving people wrong and working his way all the way to the big leagues. It's a nice success story.
2: Christian Yelich just hit his first inside the park home run. I thought about your story about uh, Gild when I, heard, when I heard he had the inside the park home run. You know, you, you won up in your dad. Inside the park homer for the Brewers, and the Brewers win. They beat the White Sox. 8-3, to three. and for uh, for Milwaukee now, they're back to 500 5 5-5, five, three-and-a-half games behind the Cubs in the Central Division.
3: Yeah, that might have been some of the worst left-field play I've ever seen <laughs> on that particular ball. I don't know if you saw it, but he looked like he was running in circles, man. And, man, he just – I don't know who the guy was, whoever the left fielder was for the White Sox, but he just totally botched it. And then he fell into the net because it landed – just a couple of feet from the foul pole foul line and you know it's like you got tangled in fishing wire practically was <laughs> brutal i mean when do you see an inside the parker to left field usually it's right center or right field and takes a crazy hop but left field i mean obviously that's the shortest distance to home plate but man that was a horrible play
2: start back start in All tangled up. You know, usually the ball rolls away from you. You know, if it's in left field, maybe it hits in the corner and it it skips past you back towards left center. But to just die out there, to just sit there like a golf ball, you teed up waiting for you. I'm here. Come pick me up anytime you're available. Yeah, it's a brutal play. Blowout of the night. That would be Cleveland taking down Cincinnati. 13 to nothing. Uh, Yikes the Reds. Yikes. And Minnesota's seven-game win streak is over. Pittsburgh beat them 6-5. to five. Oakland's bench coach Ryan Christensen apologized Thursday for unintentionally making a gesture resembling a Nazi salute following the A's 6-4 to four win over the Texas Rangers. Ended up being an elbow-bump celebration with uh, coaches and players and somebody grabbed his arm and like, yeah. you could just see him like, you, you know what that looks like? You got a Bend your elbow when you do that. And then he was laughing, so now he's apologized. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right. Coming up, more on BYU and Navy. Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice for the Naval Academy. Navy's been up and down. They've had some bad years. They've had some good years. They're coming off a great year. How good are they going to be this year? We'll talk with Pete Medhurst next. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, coming up at 8 o'clock with the game coming up at 11 o'clock. And Brian Taylor, check in. PGA Championship, Real Golf Radio's Brian Taylor coming up at 8.30. Stay with us.
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
4: The thing that really breaks my heart is we talk about BYU and Utah and Utah State, and they're going to take their hits, and it stinks for them for sure. The one team here in the state of Utah that is absolutely getting hosed
1: over on this whole thing is Weber State. Jay Hill's got his best team he's ever had that Weber State, frankly, may have ever had, and if the NCAA does what people think they could, they may not play a
4: season, and they'll never have a clue as to how great that team could be. They were going to be a a top three
1: team in FCS football and have every opportunity to win a national champion. The thought of Weber State canceling the football season is unacceptable to me.
0: Hanson Scotting Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice of the Naval Academy. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line, T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit t for online services and local store availability. Pete, good morning.
4: Gentlemen, good morning. Thanks for having me. So
2: did you have an idea this was coming? Did this surprise you a little bit? How quickly did all of this come together with BYU and Navy playing on Labor Day in prime time on ESPN?
4: Uh, I think it came together really fast, to be honest with you, because um, Notre Dame was never really out until the Atlantic Coast Conference released the official schedule uh, because of the longest intersectional rivalry in college football in 93 games. Uh, I think every effort was made to try and preserve this year's game. Unfortunately, uh, the rules that uh, Notre Dame agreed to live by with the Atlantic Coast Conference this year as a conference member uh, pretty much precluded that uh, from happening so, uh, therefore, uh, the Mids had to uh, look quickly. And, I mean, I don't think there's any question right now. If you need a football opponent, all you have to do is look to the ranks of the independents because a lot of those teams have lost games so far. And uh, this was a natural uh, because of BYU's uh, national profile. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's what Navy aspires to do. They aspire to play people with national profile. So, if you're going to replace uh, Notre Dame, who is as high-profile as it gets. You might as well go get somebody who has an equally uh, high-profile nationally, and that's BYU, and it's worked out, obviously, for both sides because the Mids will eventually make a return trip uh, to Provo as well. Yeah,
3: I know people out this way are excited about that game. Obviously, Niamatololo has a religious connection to what the the sponsoring institution of BYU, we know he interviewed several years ago. So there is somewhat of a local connection. Joe Dupay, whose father was a legendary high school coach, in the Salt Lake area, is on the staff again after having a brief time at BYU. So there's a lot of connections that make this game obvious. When we get to the game, you know, it's about winning the game. Hopefully we do get to the game, obviously. And you look at Navy, man, what a turnaround from 18 to 19 season. You know, I look at it a couple of things. For me, defensively, they weren't that good in 18. And in 19, under a new defensive coordinator, they were just simply just a lot better. And then, of course, you have – Malcolm Perry, who was just unbelievable. I mean, he, the, the, the year that he put up last season was just incredible. Uh, so it brings to mind, I can list you, uh, what, one, two, three, four, I'm looking at a story right now, five candidates to be the quarterback with Perry Olsen looking like he might be the leader. What do you see happening there?
4: Well, I, I think clearly because of the pandemic and the lack of normal work for all college football teams, the one thing that Perry has is experience, and as a freshman, the coaching staff thought enough of him to make him the number two guy. And in South Bend, Indiana, went right down the field two consecutive possessions against Notre Dame, um, and executed two near perfect drives that resulted uh, in touchdowns uh, for the Mids in South Bend against Notre Dame. So, I think the one thing that if you if you look back through the history, when Paul Johnson took over here. Uh, back in uh, 2002 and brought in the staff that he did. Obviously, Ivan Jasper uh, has been the one constant as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. I I, I do not believe there's a better quarterbacks coach in this country than Ivan Jasper, and I know there are some people that would pigeonhole it into the triple option, but I believe Ivan could coach that position for any program in America and get the best out of your player. There's no one better at developing players. Look at the long run. The mids just don't have – consecutive losing seasons and that's why 18 was more of a outlier um than anything and you know it, it's because of ivan's tutelage uh, of those quarterbacks so perry showed a lot he's a tough guy he was a high school wrestler in oklahoma if you're a high school wrestler in oklahoma uh you're a tough hombre because you don't have the kind of success he did in that sport in that state uh if you're not so he's a terrific athlete um obviously a different dynamic at the position um, than Malcolm Perry brought. Uh, Malcolm brought a gifted skill set that the Miami Dolphins thought enough of uh, to draft him in the seventh round. But at the same time, if you go back and look through the entire triple option era here at Navy, there's never been back-to-back losing seasons. And the big reason is uh, because Ivan Jasper has always had that next quarterback ready to go.
2: The quarterback's only as good as the offensive line, and there's a couple starters back, but you got Navy's got to rebuild there. BYU getting him in the opener, how vulnerable do you think that offensive line will be for Navy?
4: Again, history, look, I mean, you know, history tells you if you're a consistent winning program, it's because the next guy is always ready to step up and play. Obviously, we lose a huge, uh, a huge guy in the middle of that offensive line in Ford Higgins, who's a tremendous athlete, a guy that uh, also finished his uh, last campaign on the lacrosse team here at the Naval Academy because uh, he's a great athlete. Uh, and was a great leader on that offensive line. But one side of it completely comes back. Justin Self, who takes over at center, is equally uh, as talented, maybe a little bit, obviously a bigger guy uh, as well at the center position. And, you know, uh, again, it, it's a it's a case of, you know, the, the next guys are all always ready uh, to step up. And those guys on the right side are going to have to, um, you know, certainly earn their keep and show that they're ready to play. Um, But there's no question that, uh, you know, every year again, the next guy's ready to step up. And uh, I believe Ashley Ingram will have uh, his guys ready uh, to step up uh, and ready to play on opening night. Now, look, I mean, BYU's got a couple of really good guys up front. And that's, you know, that's a a different kind of animal. But, I mean, we've played against the likes of Ed Oliver, uh, you know, who's a first-round pick. Uh, of the Buffalo Bills and, and we've played against guys like Aaron Donald. I mean you go back and put the film on and what they did to Aaron Donald uh, who's as good of athlete as anybody we've ever played against and you know we scored 44 points against Pitt So you know, it's, it's you know you, you've, you've had a, you've had success against some of the best players on defense and that's because our offensive line um, is al- is always ready to go.
3: In this offense, the fullback, takes on a far more uh, important role than a lot of teams that didn't even use fullbacks. And the midshipmen got two pretty good fullbacks that they can count on, as I understand it. Is that correct?
4: Absolutely. Jamal Carruthers and Nelson Smith, both guys, um, you know, fabulous players. Uh, obviously, Jamal's a great story. I mean, it was a guy that was so buried on the depth chart just because of a uh, lack of opportunity. He finally gets an opportunity in practice, and coaches kept saying, oh, wow, look at this guy. You know, this is, this is the only guy on the field That seems to resemble the quickness of Malcolm Perry, an explosion of Malcolm Perry. And, you know, it wasn't as if Nelson Smith did anything uh, to lose the position. It was more a case last year of Jamel just continued uh, to excel at the position at the kind of rate that it enabled Navy to have essentially a 1 and 1A at the position. And obviously the fullback, as you mentioned, in the offense – is responsible for so many things. Sometimes, you know, he's a guy that takes a a huge amount of hits per game, uh, sometimes without carrying the ball. It's all predicated on what the defense does. And, uh, you know, against us, teams either decide to take away the quarterback, the fullback, or the pitch. And uh, when they don't take away the fullback, uh, Jamel and Nelson are both uh, gifted players uh, in that offense and have been very, very productive for us here uh, at the Naval Academy so far.
2: Defensively, it looks like you've got a uh, a lot of guys coming back at the Naval Academy. Pete Medhurst, play-by-play voice of the Naval Academy, joining us with BYU and Navy playing on on Labor Day. And I'm I'm curious though that there were some transfers rumored, and then at least one guy went through. Maybe more did. I I assume it's a similar rule rule of the same rule as Air Force, where after your sophomore year you're committed to service, which would impact a potential NFL career. So is this? I mean, the transfer portal is an issue for everybody, but is is this a particularly big issue for Navy?
4: I think, you know, um, every kid has to figure out, and the great thing about the Naval Academy is they give you two full years here to determine whether this is the path that you want to go down. Is is this truly what you want to commit to? Um, Because it's quite a commitment. I mean, after your sophomore year, you have to commit... Uh, to essentially uh, five years upon graduation. So they call it the two for seven, uh, you know, here in Annapolis. And it's a big commitment. So they give you the opportunity um, to to get out after two years if you don't feel that uh, a military career uh, is for you. Now, obviously, you know, when you lose, um, you know, players after that, um, you know, there are the circumstances that come into play. And, you know, you wish those young people well. Uh, down the line. The good news is a couple that were rumored are coming back. Essentially, uh, one significant player from a production standpoint last year on defense is not coming back. But uh, as you mentioned, there are nine guys that are coming back who had significant playing time uh, for this defense, which in year one under Brian Newberry uh, was remarkable. You look at the statistical turnaround of our defense uh, under Brian Newberry this past year. It was extraordinary what we were able to do. We face some of the best offenses in the country just in our own league. And for our defense to rise to the occasion uh, the way they did uh, was absolutely phenomenal in year one. And the the thing about it is, is the entire season they were learning what coach Newberry wanted them to do. And he was learning on the go about how much more he could give certain players at certain positions. So year two and the players have talked about this already. One of our outstanding quarters, Cameron Kinley, has already talked about this. Is just how much further they're going to be along now in year two under Coach Newberry and some of the things uh, that they're going to be able to do. Uh, Brian just turned out to be, you know, I mean, everybody that had talked about him, you know, leading up, that Coach talked to and people that you talked to around college football who had been around him had said, this guy's going to be a, a terrific coach for you. Um, but you never know until you actually see the results on the field and the results of our defense last year. And with the guys we have coming back, um, really, really high expectations uh, this year. I think defensively we've got one of the best linebackers in the country, in Diego Fago. Uh, and that, that young fellow's got high level ability. And I would not be surprised when all is said and done and he's done with his career at Navy. Um, he will be like Malcolm Perry and an NFL team uh, will uh, will draft him. Uh, somewhere in the first seven rounds.
3: Yeah, I was listening to Coach Did They put it on – well, he did a Zoom call, and then they put it online. I saw it later online. He spoke for 40 minutes, and he really felt that Diego – was as good as anybody in the league and would be an NFL candidate. And he really praised, he echoed what you said about Coach Newberry. He said that he didn't even feel like Coach Newberry installed all of his stuff. He said he installed a lot of it, but he didn't install uh, all of it. So... When you look at this defense, the numbers that they had from 18 to 19, I mean, they just got so much better. It's hard to imagine that they can make another improvement, but do you expect them to make another significant leap defensively this year?
4: Statistically, I don't know how significant it can be just because of the amount of improvement from 18 to 19, but uh, the thing you look for now is consistency. Can you do that? over four quarters of a game. We had some moments in a game against Memphis in the second half last year where things kind of broke down uh, a little bit, but, and against Notre Dame where things broke down a little bit. But the question now is, is can, you, can you make that effort as consistent over four quarters as you showed in a lot of spots? There was a lot of flash last year uh, on that defense. And, and now what you're trying to do uh, is make it even more consistent And I think that's the the message from from Brian Newberry, and it's the message from the players that we've heard from already, is they want to make sure that they are uh, much more consistent now uh, in what they're doing out there on the field. They want to make sure that there aren't any mistakes. They don't want any breakdowns. They strive uh, for perfection. Uh, And that's the thing last year, that even while they were improving, the players consistently told you, yes, we're improving, but there are things that we can do better. And that's the thing that I love about the kids at the Naval Academy, is they understand there's perspective on everything. Yeah, they understand. It's not we're not going to celebrate. Uh, you know what we did last week beyond you know maybe Sunday. Once Monday comes, we've got to get back to it, and we've got to figure out. Okay, what do we have to do better this week? What are some things that I did last week that you know caused teams to allow uh, yardage that I can do better uh, this week? So I think that's the beauty in preparation uh, of our kids and our coaches is. They always keep proper perspective, and from week to week, they're able to compartmentalize the good and, and look at what happened and, and say, this is we have to continue to do this. And then they're able to compartmentalize the negative and say, okay, I can take a better angle here. I've got to have better footwork here. I can't let the guy have an inside release here, stuff like that. They understand the details and the things that they've got to do uh, to be better football players. They're able to put last week behind them and move ahead to the next week. And that's what good football programs do. You win a lot of games uh, when you're able to compartmentalize both the good and the bad. Because, as we all know, football is a humbling game. You're only good uh, as the next play, uh, in many cases, or the next week, uh, in what the Navy plays a very challenging schedule. And uh, the American Athletic Conference prepares you for that uh, each and every week. So...
2: They've had Navy in the last five years, in the five years they've been in the American the Independent before that. Navy's had a couple of eleven and two seasons. They've also had seven and nine win seasons, and they had that three win disaster. Where are the expectations for this team? Assuming they get to play twelve games, which I know is a big assumption to make right now. But if they got to play twelve games, they have eleven scheduled right now. They're still looking for one more.
4: I think we're going to play eleven. I I'm going to play that's eleven. going to be the number. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be the number. I mean, the, the one open date that we have was against an FCS team, and trying to trying to get somebody now basically within three or four weeks uh, and get all that to, to match up is you know probably a little difficult at this point, which is understandable. So uh, I think they're going to be comfortable going ahead uh, with 11 games. The expectations here are always the same. I mean, it's obviously uh, beat Army, win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, win the American Athletic Conference uh, as well. I mean, those, those goals never change here. Uh, At the Naval Academy, when they're not achieved, um, you know, there's bad taste and there's bitter taste in their mouth uh, because uh, that's what they strive for each and every year. And I think there's a perception and we have fought this perception throughout the entire uh, triple option era, uh, even despite all the success that we've had. I mean, you look back in years past and, um, you know, over a 30 year period, Navy would have a winning season here and there. But now you look at what has occurred under Paul Johnson and Kenny Amatololo, and you, you look at the unprecedented level of success that the Naval Academy has had. Naval Academy is always in the top 20 or 25 uh, teams for most wins uh, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, however many, however many years you want to break it down, um, because there is a consistent expectation of performance Here at the Naval Academy, there's a philosophy that works, and the coaches don't waver from that uh, philosophy. The players that they recruit are recruited for that philosophy of excellence. And when you strive for excellence in everything that you do and you have the consistency that Kenny Amatololo has had amongst his coaching staff uh, through the years and uh, the level of uh, performance by the program, the kids that get recruited to come here they understand before they ever get here what the expectations are. The players that are currently here do a great job of establishing that from day one. When the freshmen come in, uh, when the plebes arrive, they know how the work gets done each and every day. There's always been tremendous leadership here uh, on the field, and Kenya Amatalolo is a guy that allows his players to lead, and you know they they talk. The coaches talk with the, the captains and the other senior leaders and things of that nature. But the kids here have done the best job of policing the locker room because ultimately, if your players are not policing your own locker room, you're not going to have consistent success. And if you, have to, you have to have players that buy in, that they don't want to let their brother down out on the field out there. Uh, because if your players aren't policing the locker room, you're not going to have a, a consistent winning program because um, there's no accountability at that point. I mean, coach can sit up there and the, you, you can have coaches a coach from a tower. You can have coaches a coach on the field and, and things of that nature. But the coach can only do so much, so many words can come out of their mouth and things of that nature. If your players aren't holding each other accountable, then you're not going to be a consistent winner. That has been the one thing here. The leadership has been consistent. It's an institution that preaches leadership and leadership training, and that's why those players hold each other accountable because they don't want to let each other down, and that's why they've won so many football games uh, through the years. Um, and uh, there's, I don't think there's any question in the country, Kenny Amonalo is the best coach in the American Athletic Conference, and when you want to break down coaches nationally, he's one of the best in the country, period, because this is a guy that you know, year in and year out, has never wavered on who he is, strong in his faith, consistent in his message, and you know he preaches the same things. But at the same time, he never takes himself, for lack of a better term, too seriously. He's a guy that tells his coaches, "Go home on Sundays, please. Be a be a father, be a husband, be a family man. Uh, take that time because I believe we're strong enough as a group that we can get this done." you know, over the other six days during the course of the season. Our practice is Monday through Wednesday, um, obviously non-pandemic. and Anybody can walk in. If you can get on the Naval Academy, you can come watch our practice, the whole thing, um, all two hours, uh, each and every Monday through Wednesday. I mean, it's not as if we're talking trade secrets here. Everybody has the same film on everybody. So it's the unprecedented access that we get to our program through Coach Lolo and the trust that that obviously those of us locally who uh, cover the team uh, build up with him. But it's because of the great message that has always been consistent with him, and I think that's what makes him one of the best coaches in the country and why the young men who play for him, you'll see the hashtag on many of their uh, Twitter feeds called Men of Ken because they enjoy and respect playing for him so much and that's why they give the kind of effort they do that equals a lot of wins here uh, with our football program.
2: Pete, we appreciate it. a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, getting us up to speed a little bit on the Naval Academy.
4: Guys, appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Pete Medhurst. He's a play-by-play voice of Navy. It's BYU and Navy Labor Day night, ESPN six o'clock prime time, ESPN, big audience, the whole bit, you know, and, and, and PK, it's something that we've talked about when we talked about Lavelle getting BYU on a roll, Ron McBride uh, getting Utah untracked after two miserable decades, uh, and it's been true at Utah State and Weber State too. There's a recipe to win at schools. In the middle of that uh, last answer, there, you know, Pete Medhurst talked about they they figured out how to win at Navy. You know, with the triple option, they've had a couple coaches, but there's a formula, and they've got it. And there's the occasional one-off. You know that three win season, but you changed defensive coordinators and they're they're right back to eleven and two.
3: Well, listening to that, I think Niamato Lolo is greatly underserving this country. He should be running for president of the United States. There you go. I
2: wonder if he has an interest in politics. <laughs> I'll guess no. But you never know. All right, David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, is coming up at 8.05, about 15 minutes. We'll talk with David Locke. Jazz going back-to-back today and tomorrow, although Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Royce O'Neill will not play in the game with the Spurs today at 11 a.m. We'll hear uh, Coach Quinn Snyder. His availability pregame is at about 9.25, so we'll have that for you later. Jazz fans got David Locke coming up at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. <laughs>
0: Jazz are back. Captain 2-3. Ow! And this is your Jazz Game Preview, presented by University of Utah Health.
1: The Utah Jazz moved to 2-2 in seeding games with a 124-115 win over the Memphis Grizzlies behind balanced scoring led by Joe Ingles, 25. On Friday at 11 o'clock, the Jazz will play another early one, this one against the San Antonio Spurs, and the NBA may have found a magic formula. The 8-9 play-in game makes this a mammoth game for the San Antonio Spurs as Memphis continues to fade. Jazz and the Spurs, 11 o'clock tip-off right here on 1280 The Zone.
0: This Jazz Game Preview is presented by University of Utah Health. They take care of
2: Utah like Utah takes care of
0: each other. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK,
2: it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. are brought to you in part by Zero Res, a clean home to a healthy moment right now. Zero Res is cleaning carpets for $33 per room. Mention DJ and PK when you call and get a fourth room clean for free. Call Zero Res today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. We're going to talk with David Locke in just a moment. The Jazz are going to play the Spurs at 11 a.m. Well, some of the Jazz are. Mike Conley is out with right knee soreness. Rudy Gobert is out with rest. Donovan Mitchell has left perineal strain. And Royce O'Neal has right calf soreness. Joe Ingles, right foot soreness. Is available. Well, for the jazz game with all those uh, guys out, what do you think of them apples? Question of the morning up on our Facebook page DJ and PK. PK, we have multiple theories here, and there's probably some truth in all of them. I wonder which one, if you were to rank them, you know, evaluate them as this is the most spot on, the most true. Uh, J. Matthew Cheshire, longtime listener, often posts, load management still happens in the bubble, I guess. Then we've also got uh, Chris, who says, great chance for the young guys, the young guns, to get some minutes. We also have uh, Grayson, who says, I see a team that wants to finish 6th. Who gives a crap about home court this year? Let's get Jazz versus Nuggets in round one. Multiple people mention the Jazz trying to engineer a matchup uh, with Denver. Tanking for the sixth seed, Tyler says. Uh, Michael says, it's a game within a game. The Lakers resting LeBron because of a back-to-back. Other teams resting starters as well. Save the good players for a game that matters versus the Nuggets. Which one of those do you buy the most? Which one of those makes the most sense to you?
3: Well, I don't think they have much of a bench, and so they have to play these starters' massive minutes, and they don't want to play them back to back. They don't want to burn them out to a degree before the postseason starts, because uh, you can play these young guys, but I'm not sure any of these young guys are going to be on this team in a few years from now. I'm, talk- I'm not so I'm eliminating guys like uh, Niang and Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley's young. Niang, I mean, they're all young, obviously, but uh, those guys are sort of in the rotation. I'm talking about the other guys. I'm not sure they have a future in the NBA. Maybe they can surprise me. So the starters, when they get to the postseason, are going to have to play major minutes because they don't have much of a bench.
2: All right, DJ and PK, we'll talk about all of this with David Locke next. Stay with us.